tonight on Rogue Padron, who let this child command a ship? Pre late, more like pretty late. Mucilage? Mucilage, I think. What? Mucilage, okay. It comes back later, don't worry. Okay. That is the worst word. (laughs) Oh, it gets worse. We found it. It gets worse. Um, Alien orgy in the distance. And Namir never visits anymore. Brownie face. He's just social distancing. (laughs) I don't know if you can social distance on the Thunderstrike. Always been social distancing. (laughs) This is Rogue Leader. All wings report in. Rogue Six standing by. Rogue 7, standing by. Rogue 9, standing by. Welcome to Season 16, Mission 2, Episode 132 of Rogue Padron, a.k.a. Twilight Padron, Mission 2. Tonight We're only we'll be doing- one episode away from the milestone landmark, Episode 133. Wow, getting close. Is that a landmark episode? Yeah. Okay. It'll be our 133rd episode. How many podcasts do you know that make it to 133 episodes? That's a good point. Didn't Skyhoppers? That's a great point. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, Skyhoppers recorded for a week, like weekly, (laughs) regularly. (laughs) Unlike certain other podcasts. So sample size one. (laughs) Can you name a second podcast that's made it to 133 episodes? You know I don't listen to podcasts. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, audio dramas often don't make it that far, so I can't. I don't have anything. I mean, did my favorite murder make it that far? Probably. Oh, I don't sure think that we we don't compare ourselves to my favorite murder. Yeah, that's like a real think, podcast. I don't think Thirst Aid Kit has yet. Anyways, we're funny. <laughs> the two podcasts them, so. I have listened to. Um, so, but anyway, tonight we're jumping into Twilight Company. I'm sorry, Star Wars Battlefront. Twilight Company, chapters five through eight. But before that, a quick reminder of your hosts. If Seth, Rogue Seven, was a signature Costco item, (laughs) she'd be muffins as big as your face that really shouldn't be single servings, but they are because you just can't fucking stop her ever. (laughs) <laughs> They're just gonna oh my be gosh. That big. Listeners, Saf just did a real life version of the Winona Ryder pizza gift. <laughs> How big are the muffins? It's amazing. I can't even imagine. They're so large. I can't Very even big. imagine a muffin that big. They're large. Wow. They're large. Danny, Rogue Six, would be a pile of half zip fleece pullovers for $14.99 each because. What are they? Oh, because they are quality goods at a valuable price. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Ash, Rogue Nine, are bulk packs of thick socks because she's reliable and cozy. Oh, that's true. Heath, Rogue Three, who and is... And something that out- I forget to buy until it's too late and then I have to buy a <laughs> bunch of them all at once. <laughs> it's true. It's true. 
like say three and a half years into the run of a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It is what it is, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Keith Rook 3 is in the woods somewhere would be the 12 packs of Christmas wrapping paper that should last years, but somehow get replaced every season because what the fuck is too damn much. <laughs> I have, if you open my closet, there are way too many rolls of Christmas wrapping paper that try and fall out. <laughs> you don't need to buy any more. I do though, it's so pretty. No, no, you don't. You don't the need to buy The problem is if I have to wrap a birthday present, I only have Christmas wrapping paper. <laughs> That's fine. This today I've been humming um sleigh ride all day. Good. So. I was like whistling we wish you a merry christmas this morning. I was like wrong oh. this holiday ash. <laughs> Were we on the same vibe this morning? <laughs> and I meg we had there. the brain cell. <laughs> I think so. And I would be a, a huge rotisserie chicken because I'm hot, juicy and affordable. <laughs> okay, so speaking of that, I have a question about Star Wars. <laughs> What's your question, Danny? Well, I couldn't come up with a question, so I googled uh, what are some good Star Wars questions, and I found a quiz that is 20 easy Star Wars questions and 15 that are impossible. Okay. So we're not going to do all of them, but I've decided to pick a sampling. So here's one of the easy Star Wars questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Ready. Let's do it. In this image, how many suns is Luke watching set in the distance? Two. Two. Well, you don't even need to see the picture. (laughs) Nope. I mean, oh, you're there's, right. There's two times that we see Luke staring into the sunset, and both times there's two sides. It's two. <laughs> okay, how about this one? What is the name of the base in this image? Hoth. What? Indoor. E- Echo Base. Nope, are, I didn't mean to say indoor. Options, you... Okay, I'll give you the options. So your options okay. are Solo Base, Star Killer Base, Star Killer, Star Killer Base, Skywalker Base, or Space Base. It was Star Killer Base. Star Killer Base. Okay, but what if it was space based? Yeah, I would love that. <laughs> I I am definitely naming a Star Wars thing space based. Okay. What else? Oh, here we go. This is a hard one. Okay, which furry species lives on the forest moon of Endor? Ewoks. 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 You're right, Ewoks. Ewoks. Alright, let's get to something those are too easy. Let's get to the impossible. So these okay, are fifteen impossible. impossible. Star okay. Wars okay. questions. Okay. Impossible. Okay. We won't even so, know these. Impossible. Alright. Who created Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, this is an impossible question? I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. That's, that's hard. I'll give you some options. So your options are Ron Howard, <laughs> Francis Ford Coppola, what? John Milius, or George Lucas. I'm gonna, this is a really hard question, but I'm gonna go out on a limb and say George Lucas, maybe? Let's Jorge see. Lucas. Oh my gosh, you got it. Oh my god, I got it right? Holy shit. Okay. I was really not sure about that. That was very hard. Let's let's ramp it up. Okay. What is this thing called? Can you describe <laughs> it, Daddy? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Describe it like in five words. Claws and like big teeth. And, rancor! Like, rancor! There's like a snout above the mouth, kind of like above the eyes even. Yeah, is it Wampa? a rancor? It is a rancor. Nice job. Okay, the next one. The question is, what about this one? Okay, can you can not hear me anymore? <laughs> we can hear you. Okay. Yeah. I said Rancor like three times and then you praised Saf for saying Rancor. <laughs> yeah. It was very much that. Uh, I I acknowledge that I did steal Meg's answer there. Okay. Here's our final. 
very hard Star Wars question. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. Who yeah. plays Finn? Oh my John Boyega. God. Are these seriously okay. meant to be impossible Star Wars questions? I'm, I'm going to give mind. you the four options. And what I want you to do, and listeners, <laughs> you can do this with us as well. So I want you to just take a second and think about what Star Wars would have been like oh if each God. of these actors had been the ones who played Finn. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so we've got John Boyega, which is obviously the answer. But our other options were John Cena. <laughs> <laughs> Off strong. <laughs> Next up, we have John Goodman. <laughs> hang on, I gotta look who John Goodman is. <laughs> oh yeah, okay, and yeah, John Goodman. The last one, which I think is the best alternate universe uh, Star Wars Finn, John Cleese. <laughs> <laughs> I think John Cena's my favorite. Yeah. I can't even yeah. imagine John Cena fitting into Stormtrooper armor. <laughs> no! Now I, ooh, now I want to see that, though. Now I want to see, like, really big people in Stormtrooper armor. Yeah, I'm curious. Like, how does that work? You have to even have just, like, a larger breastplate and everything like that. Because their mm. titties are so big! Like, big titties. It has to... Like huge biceps, right? Like, dang, how would that even work? That's probably why we never see John Cena as a stormtrooper. That's probably why that they don't want to make reason. custom armor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's in movies. Okay, he is. He's... He was in Cockblockers, which is a really good movie. <laughs> he is, in fact, in movies. He's in movies. He's been in TV shows. He plays Juliet's older brother in Psych. Um. That's all I've seen him in, but still, like he has—he was in a Transformers movie. I forgot about. Oh, that. it's just called Blockers. Has, my bad. He has <laughs> Kelly has informed me that it's not called Blockers. It's just Blockers. But there's a picture of a rooster, and then it's called Blockers. Yeah, is the there thing. is a picture of a that, rooster there, which is why all I of the movie posters had that. Yeah. yeah. Um, he. I mean, being a pro wrestler, it means he's had decades of acting experience. So yeah. let's exactly. not. Let's not shit on John Cena here. I'm he not shitting on John Cena. Us. I'm just saying. Oh, I think this was great. 100% John Cena appreciation happening. Yeah, no, <laughs> okay, I would great. love to see this. I would love to see John Cena in a Star Wars movie. <laughs> it would be so good. He's gonna be. He's gonna be in the next Fast movie. He's in Fast Nine. That's about damn time. Yeah. All right. Well, team. Despite the fact that we people have gone on record as saying, "quote." <laughs> They're not even real Star Wars fans, <laughs> unquote. And quote, I don't think they even like Star Wars, unquote. We managed to score 100% on that Star Wars quiz. So take that, haters. Damn, Without I don't even like Star Wars. Wars. Why pictures. did I get this tattoo on my own? <laughs> Without even looking at the pictures, we got well, all how the we questions did amazing. Right. Yeah. Wow. We're that good. Yeah. All right, speaking of being good at Star Wars, let's <laughs> join Twilight Company again. Who are yes. average at Star Wars. <laughs> they are They're... average at the, the Star Wars. Yeah. They're trying their best. But They're They're better at the wars, not as good at the Star. Yeah, not Yes, the there we go. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. We're in the Cardina system. <laughs> day 91 of the Mid-Rim Retreat. I, good luck to anybody who's actually remembering which days are happening. <laughs> 
Captain Tabor Sitaran is a distressed old dude who hasn't been in a big ship since the Rueful Confession. Good name. <laughs> Until now. On the Imperial- okay, when you say Captain Tabor, all I think of is Catherine Tabor. And that is, a, again, a very different image. <laughs> Hang on, let me just look up Catherine Tabor. I love the name wow. The Rueful Confession. I love The Rueful Confession. I'm not going to lie, it does sound like a Halo it's ship, like- but I love it. It's like you got caught cheating, and now you gotta, like, own up to it. <laughs> oh, wait. Catherine Tabor is the voice of Padme yeah, in the Clone is. Wars. Who was I thinking of? Yeah, I, I don't was thinking of. No. Anyways, what was everyone saying about us being bad at Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> and you've seen the Clone Wars. <laughs> yes, but I haven't listened to them. Uh, uh, <laughs> um... <laughs> So Captain Tabor hasn't been on a big ship in ages until now on the Imperial Star Destroyer Herald, and I will make a confession here as I spent about 10 minutes last night being like, wait, is Herald a person's name? And then I realized I was thinking of Gerald. Yeah, Herald, Herald. right? Herald is a person's name, though. Wait, you name people Herald? It's a different H-A-R-O-L-D. Oh, Herald. Yeah, it's a different spelling. Herald, yeah. Yeah, Herald and Herald. But it's pronounced the same. No, it's not. Did you know that the the classic Easter hymn "Hark the Herald Angels Sing" is actually about a dude, an angel called Harold. <laughs> an angel called Harold. <laughs> anyway, so the star story is named after him. Um, Tabor feels old. Ash, when you face Palmer, our listeners can't hear that. <laughs> you just got to do it a bit harder. Be like, <laughs> did we carry? did hear that. There you go. Yeah, yeah. There we go. I even took oh. my hat off for that. My nose, pretty. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Tabor feels old and tired AF. He should be training new recruits of the Academy, not hanging out on a Star Destroyer. Tabor looks at the on on onsen Ensign. 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 I should know how to say this already, considering all the halo I read. Um saluting him and is incredibly relatable as he realizes that these baby officers are actually adults, not kids. But god, they look Ooh. so young. He gets led by the baby onsen Ensign. <laughs> Hey, I'm just quickly googling YouTube how to pronounce ensign. Ensign is right. Wait, I just, I just need to hear. I just need to hear the lady say it. I just need to hear the lady say it. You just heard the lady say. No, it. No, no, I need to hear this lady say it. Two ladies Anderson. just said it. Ensign. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I was just doing the robot voice. Oh, I gotta listen to the robot. The robot has to say it. Yes, okay, robot- so anyway, I just wanted to say that the part where he's saying that he uh, wishes that he was teaching new recruits, he doesn't just say he wishes he was teaching new recruits, he says, I should be standing in front of a group of students who are all falling asleep <laughs> yeah, and not paying attention to my lectures, which is like s- such a real aspiration in life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. very relatable. Tabor is really relatable, I'm not gonna lie. Like, the best I can do is to be a mediocre professor that the students, like, go to class just because they know they'll get an easy A. <laughs> yeah, I I definitely feel like, like, I never disliked Tabor in this book. Like, I really appreciated him. I was just like, you know what? All right. <laughs> I get where you're coming Warlord from. Warlord Tabor. Yeah, Warlord Tabor. Yeah, that's Tabor. what I keep thinking of as well. <laughs> <laughs> he gets led by the baby ensign to meet with the prelate. What the fuck is a prelate? Prelate. Uh, so I googled it. And Wouldn't prelate... prelate just be on time? No, a pre- prelate <laughs> is a noun. 
a bishop or <laughs> other you, highly <laughs> ecclesiastical <laughs> dignitary. So what? I don't know. We'll, I guess we'll find out <laughs> what the hell that means. <laughs> Saf just doesn't have the time of day for my funny jokes. I'm sorry. I, I, I bang my head against the desk. Do you think they'll hear it? <laughs> I already made that joke. <laughs> it's on the top. <laughs> this is a podcast of stealing people's jokes. Correct. <laughs> Tabor has served since the darkest days of the Republic, before Imperial status warriors were called Imperial status warriors. Things have changed a lot under the Empire, and he doesn't really- Wait, what were they called before then? Just, whatever- They weren't called status warriors because they were owned by the Republic. Oh. I thought she had like a- uh, Wait, so like less on the nose. It was like star reformationers. And then they're like, we're going to call them Star Destroyers, we're going to have a Death like a Star, we're going to have like Star that. Killers. <laughs> the Empire is just like, we just <laughs> say it like it is. None of this politically correct crap. None. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. Oh, sorry, ready is Ash working on coming up with an actual Star Wars facts? <laughs> I think she is. I think so. Someone has to. The internet may have died for her. Oh no. Oh no, I heard her. Ash, what's the answer? back. Am yes. I back? I'm looking it up. Okay. Uh, 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 Republic attack cruiser. I knew it was Republic something. Thank you, yeah. Ash. Ash is the real answer here. <laughs> the baby Ensign- Man, the Republic were just such a bunch of PC snowflakes. <laughs> they sure were. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the baby Ensign really wants to chat and keeps trying to relate new tech to, to Boar's military past. Like, wow, I'm, I sure- I think- like, what, what was I? I? I started to say this there, I lost it. Like, wow, gee, sir, these new things sure would have been useful in this battle that you were in, huh? And Tabor just kind of humors him because he's got a bad feeling he's being given a tour because he's going to be stuck on this ship for a while. Oh. He learns that the ship has been on duty for four months, which suddenly explains why everyone looks so fucking burned out. Morale is fucked. The ensign finally leaves him alone in a conference room and he waits for a whole hour until pre-late Verge, not related to Vergera, I assume, <laughs> arrives. <laughs> don't bring her into this. Hey, don't diss my girl Vergera, okay? And boy, if the ensign was a baby, the Verge is a baby baby. <laughs> yeah, I was like, mm, the would not be here. <laughs> Maybe 20 at most, wearing a cloak in the style of Sereno Nobles. Fitting for a senate, but absolute chaos in an ordered military ship. Verge is the youngest member of the Imperial Ruling Council, supposedly given his title by Papa Palpatine himself. Tabor also has no fucking idea what prelate means, so thanks for nothing, Tabor. Verge it's a made-up title. I like this entire chapter, like, stuff happens, mostly it's just Saf being like, what the hell is a prelate? <laughs> <laughs> like, in theory, I understand what it is, but in Star Wars... Christianity doesn't exist. <laughs> right. Church uh, of the Force. I guess, no, but it's a different church of the Force. That is a thing, though. The Church oh. of the Force is different to what Verge believes, because that's definitely not a Palpatine thing. Verge explains that he's been tasked- Does Verge believe that Palpatine is Jesus Christ? Probably. He is there risen. Are point. There and are... thus, the rise of Skywalker is- <gasps> He is risen! <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> 
<laughs> Somehow he is risen. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, Ash is dying. <laughs> There's sometimes when I'm like, if anybody from my workplace list- finds this podcast and listens to it, I am so fired and probably going to hell. No, you're not fired. I'm fired. You're not saying any of this shit. <laughs> yeah, you're fine. It just does. <laughs> Danny, Danny and I are going to hell. Don't worry about it. Right. We, we, take we already have an express you, pass, though. So, like. Yeah, like, that, that happened. <laughs> I signed that deal a long time ago. <laughs> So speaking of hell, Verge welcomes Tabor to his <laughs> ship, and Tabor is silent like, your ship? You're a baby who has never served in the Navy. But he's played out loud. Verge explains that he's been tasked by old Palps himself to hunt down a Vary chalice, former emissary to the Imperial Ruling Council, honorary Grand Architect of the New Order, and defector to the Rebel Alliance, that bitch. <laughs> That's her full title. That's her full title. <laughs> Since Tabor was acquainted with chalice, Verge wants his help. And short to Yes. I feel like Tabor dealing with Verge is like literally anybody over the age of twenty seven trying to deal with a Gen Zer. It really is. <laughs> I think I'm a Gen Zer, so y'all do that every week, I think. I think. I think Wait, you're no. at the very no, you're tail on the cusp, end. Of I think you're a millennial. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ash, you can be whatever you want to be. <laughs> Just believe in yourself. That's the important part. Yeah. No. That's the important part. <laughs> <laughs> so short anyway. to known Chalice, and she's been alright, I guess, but she was definitely too cowardly to actually ever rebel. Verge has vastly overestimated his knowledge of this woman. Verge tells him that is not the time for humility and he has chosen Tabor just like Palps has chosen him and I'm gonna do a dramatic reading here because I want to be Verge Sora Tanti this is literally the only reason that it's here <clears throat> I've been appointed a task <laughs> Verge said Wait, that's the voice I was gonna do for Tabor you well, can both. That that's just what Imperials sound like. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's a chorus not clip. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> By a beneficent. No, beneficent? Is that the word? <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah. Okay, he doesn't. I don't know, prelate? What do you think? <laughs> By a beneficent emperor. The capture of a very chalice. Former emissary to the Imperial Ruling Council and honorary Grand Architect of the New Order, now defector to the Rebel Alliance. That bitch. I believe you knew the traitor, and I need someone at my side who understands how she thinks. He flashed a smile before adding, So much as any true Imperial can comprehend the thinking of a traitor. Warlord Tabor tried to keep the confusion from his face. Chalice had struck Tabor as a cap- as capable, in her way, an adequate successor to the genius of Count Vidian, but better at promoting herself and outplaying her foes than anybody than anything truly remarkable. Had anyone asked Warlord Tabor whether Chalice might betray the Empire, he'd have denied the possibility to get altogether. Such a woman had neither the courage nor the will to turn on her masters. 
With due respect, Warlord Tabor said. You overestimate my understanding of the woman. We haven't spoken in years. <laughs> he racked his brain, tried to remember the endless meetings and receptions on Coruscant, remember who had worked with Chalice and, of those, who hadn't yet retired or passed on. Perhaps Tian Gerterod or Kent Lisha could be of more use. He tried. Again, the prelate's mouth twitched. I chose you, he said, as the Emperor chose me. Chalice is dangerous, and this is not the time for humility. Boyish fingers closed into a fist and reopened. Virta's voice fell into a whisper, and Tabor, Warlord Tabor had to strain to understand. You were once a great man. You served our Emperor and our age with distinction. Now you waste away at the Academy, and I am offering you the chance to serve truly once more. With his final words, he raised his voice again. His tone was cold and lifeless. To refuse this privilege would be as incomprehensible as Chalice's own acts. Warlord Tabor stared at the prelate as he parsed the knot of verbiage. <laughs> he had... <laughs> He had been in his own world so long he'd forgotten the language of the court, how polite men accused each other of treason. Defiance rose in his throat. He banished it like he had been like he had been the buzzing in his stomach. I apologize, he said. I meant no offense to the Emperor. I'd been proud to serve at your side. Beautiful. This is exactly what I wanted from this. <laughs> Thank you for indulging me. <laughs> that was beautiful. And that's what all Imperials sound like. <laughs> One of those two things. That I is a Coruscant accent. <laughs> I hope, I'm so sorry, Jay. <laughs> Tabor realizes he's being accused of treason and that, oh, guys, I realized all oh, my flatmates heard me do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Happy isolation day! <laughs> Uh, that Vir he realizes that Verge is a true believer of the Empire who will fuck him up to get what he wants. The boy is rumored to have built a manor with a shrine to palps on Naboo, even going as far as trying to scar his face like the Jedi had scarred Palpos. Yuck! Yuck! Yeah, this guy's gross. Yuck! Warlock Tabor <laughs> grimaces and wonders when he'll see Karita again and his poor, drowsy students. Pshum! Off to Planet Coyote. <laughs> Day 97 of the Midrim Retreat. You can tell I've had coffee before this. I love the upgraded version of the galaxy moving sound. That was great. Yeah, I, yeah. I had a whole coffee before this. A real coffee. That so was like exciting. a fast. That was fast. That was like faster than hyperspace. Yeah, they just... It's because we're not doing hyperspace. It's us just like zooping. Okay. Yeah. Zooping. Yeah. I've decided that's more fitting for this. Yeah. Namir's squad, now including Roach, since Charmer is still out of action, drops on Coyote, a disgusting-smelling planet because Twilight Company has all the luck. Namir pulls out his data pad after a soggy landing and, like, and starts leading them through the jungle. I would like everyone to know that I wrote these notes while on my calm-down pills at night, so I don't remember <laughs> most of what I wrote here, but I love a soggy landing. Yeah. According to Hal's brief, Coyote is an empire... Imperial military research outpost, so specializing in testing and developing biological weapons since the planet's jungle is life is so dense and biologically different. 
There's neurotoxins. There's defoliants. There are deadly poisons and viruses. Vi- viri? No, it's viruses. <laughs> I looked this up. It's viruses. Now, coyote is, and I quote, a rotting morass of half-dead trees and composting debris. Apparently, was I going to write? No, that's it. Composting. Composing? Wow. The composting empire debris. is so freaking evil. <laughs> yeah. Right. Another reminder. Right. Did you know the empire is evil? <laughs> I mean, that's a good point. I guess I did know that already. Yeah. Yeah. But that the wasn't Empire a question been... on the impossibly hard Star Wars quiz. Yeah. No. <laughs> Thank God. Might have gotten that wrong. Right. Before this. But the Empire hasn't been unimpeded. There's a sentient species native to Coyote, called Coyote, <laughs> who have been resisting <laughs> occupation. The... I love the Coyote. I love the Coyote. I really like that. so cool. The planet's native life being so biodiverse has made the species very hard to wipe out with genetics-based plagues. They're either immune, resistant, or able to cure whatever the Empire unleashes, and they keep getting more and more pissed off. Oh no. They keep getting more and more pissed off. (laughs) At this point, the Coyote are de facto allies of the Rebels, and Twilight has been sent to Coyote to help save them from total annihilation, because their breeding season is upon the Coyote. I just like saying that yes. word. Which means they'll be totally defenseless for a whole month, thanks to their biology. Twilight is Great. here to engage the Empire and protect the Coyote as they get to business, much to the soldiers snickering. But I just who thinks of the, who thinks of this? It's so good. Alex, and also what a terrible evolutionary strategy. Yeah, really. I mean, it worked before the Empire came along. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> like, listen. We need a month off to bone, so like... It's boning season. It's like a national holiday, but a month long. (laughs) Why not? Boning season. Like... And all the... Somewhere, like, very far away, all the fish nuns' ears perked up. (laughs) Boning season. are like, no, not those kind of bones. Not those kinds of bones. (laughs) Go back to sharpening my knives. (laughs) (laughs) If Twilight can expend enough of the Empire's efforts on Coyote while protecting their allies, the Empire will also waste resources fighting them, resources that then wouldn't be used on other retreating rebel forces. That's the official word, at least. Namir knows it's a lot more complicated than that, but he's not going to worry about anything beyond getting Twilight to the other side intact. I'm just going to read this part. Thanks. Page 68. I love to read things verbatim. Um, I'm trying to remember what I wanted to read. Okay, Gadron nearly died in the first minute of the first battle. He would have died, should have, if not for a fluke. He'd charged into the Imperial camp, gripping his blaster cannon and shooting wildly while he tossed aside stormtroopers with his two free arms. He'd been entirely oblivious to the grenade that landed at his feet until it had been too late to take shelter. Inexplicably, the grenade hadn't detonated, whether by dint of a manufacturer's flaw, the corrosive effects of Coyote's atmosphere, or incompetence on the part of the grenadier. Gadron's life was saved despite his own best efforts. After that, the attack went smoothly. <clears throat> Gadron! 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 My god. Everyone depends on you! How close to dying they all are at all times. Gadron is just like the embodiment of, of I care too hard. Yeah. <laughs> truly. He's oh, like, truly. he almost got, got himself killed in the first minute because he cares too much. He cares right. way too much. Like, buddy... It's, I mean, he's a, he's, he's a tank. Like, that's the problem of being a tank. Like, yeah. You gotta risk your life to be the tank. Yeah. Namir and Sergeant Zab coordinated their plan before the drop. 
They use surprise, not stealth, to get the jump on the Imperial soldiers. Nemea sticks close to Roach through the battle, and Brand is off ambushing anyone trying to flee, and Gadrin is probably off smashing heads. The battle takes all of ten minutes. Roach, sweating buckets, asks Nemea what stinks, and he explains that blaster bolts rip up the atmosphere. Every planet stinks a little different from whatever gets vaporized. Five minutes later, they're off into the jungle, and the war on Coyote has begun. The next day, they're hiding waist-deep in a bog for an Imperial convoy to pass by. Roach is even jumpier than usual, so Nemea tells her to secure her blaster so she doesn't shoot any of them. Five hours later, Nemea gets a message from Sargon that the convoy had rerouted at dawn, to which he swears loudly. At least now they can get out of the bog. Dramatic greeting! Watching watching Nemir and Roach's relationship over the course of this chapter is just, like, makes my heart melt. Yeah. It's so good. Ugh, so beautiful. Right? It's like, man, despite despite Namir trying really hard not to like anybody. <laughs> <laughs> he can't help it. He's a can't help it. And speaking of can't help it, time for best friends. Yeah, best friend time. Best friend time. Is everybody ready? I'm ready. That afternoon, Brandon and Amir refilled their canteens from Murky Creek while Gadrin and Roach kept watch. Sterilization pills would make the water safe to drink, but only after the canteens filtered out any solids. Amir stared at the container in his hand, waiting for it to click into readiness. Remind you of anything? Brand asked. Corlevon, Namir said. I remember. I thought you'd get us all killed. I remember that too. Bren held a fist level with her eyes and watched a four-winged insect crawl across her knuckles. You were a brat back then, she said. Kid from a galactic backwater who thought he'd been fighting longer than all of us put together. Namir bit back a smile. And I had been. Bran shrugged. Sure, but who would have believed it? The canteen clicked softly. Namir laughed, shook the mud from the filter, and clipped the container to his belt. In the evening, green and orange glows lit the northern horizon. A dozen twilight squads were attacking an imperial fort. Namir knew. It had been part of the plan from the outset, the first large-scale engagement of the campaign. From thirty clicks away, all Namir could do was check for signals and watch the colors wash over the jungle canopy. Beautiful. Find the next page that I have marked with a seal. Okay. <laughs> marked with a seal. In the evening, they watch as Twilight Squad's assault an Imperial fort on a distant ridge. Gadrin keeps Roach occupied by walking through, checking and cleaning her gear and rifle, then by organizing rations by flavor, as labeled, and flavor, in reality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Namir takes a ration bar tasting of mucilage without complaint. And now this, I think, is important to discuss because mucilage, as used in North America, is not actually the first definition that comes up when you search the word mucilage, and by God, I hope Freed is using the latter meaning, because <laughs> mucilage... Noun, a viscous secretion or bodily fluid. <laughs> and then under that, North American, an adhesive solution, gum or glue. And we've just learned a new and very disturbing <laughs> fact about Dexter Jetster culture. Oh, God. I don't think it's that cool. I think it's the Rebel Alliance's facilities for making food. Yeah, probably. Uh, <laughs> viscous. <laughs> You're welcome. That's facts with Rogue Quadrant today. Yeah. This I case. love learning things on this podcast. Right. It's so fun. <laughs> this guess. 
As he eats his viscous dinner, Namir continues watching the ridge as blaster bolts fade away and are replaced by a fire. Roach and Gadrin eventually get into bed and Bran stops by before starting her patrol. She asks if it's happening tomorrow, and Namir says it could be. The fort looks trash, but who knows the cost of the moment. Namir asks if she really doesn't wish she was with them. She tells him that she's here for a reason, and that's enough for her. The next morning, Namir has a message, a set of coordinates and four words, ATST, seek and destroy. Rock and roll! Rock and roll! roll. Gadrin takes inventory. They have three grenades, which is enough to maybe take out a walker if they don't fuck anything up. Gadrin suggests using the detonators. They're going to fuck something up. But Namir Mm -hmm. stops him. The detonators are already spoken for. This is like me playing a video game. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Three grenades? Eh, what's the worst that could happen? (laughs) This is just the experience of playing Breath of the Wild. Yeah. This is how I feel playing. That's alright. I'll just stabby stab the rest of the way. It's like there's a giant monster and I've got a stick. Let's go. (laughs) Let's do it. Go. (laughs) Their target is easy to track since it's a fucking ATST stomping through the jungle. Their first attempt is a disaster. Gadrin bounces a grenade off of its hull, Roach is almost crushed by a tree, and Bran sprains her ankle trying to climb the walker. (laughs) They spend the rest of the afternoon harassing the walker, and Roach even hits a leg with a grenade blanche. The thing just keeps going, though. A grenade blast. We got three grenades, and we'll be fine so long as one single thing doesn't go wrong. Literally every person on the squadron has something go wrong. Oh, boy. (laughs) By evening, Namir comes up with a plan. They lure the walker further and further into the mud until they're soaking wet and the walker is buried in a marsh. Kara and Mando must have learned something from Twilight. (laughs) Namir takes off his clothes down to his underwear to dry off at camp. Oh yeah. And Roach is trying really hard to pretend she isn't staring at the brands between his shoulders or the tattoos on his legs. Mm. Brand? Roach. Yes. Mm. Alright, tell me Brand more about a- these tattoos. Yeah, I'm like, ooh, interesting, interesting, I see. Yeah. Let's is see there some fan art mayhaps skin. that we could have? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Alex and Free, show a- us your fan art! <laughs> Brand is applying a non-regulation goo to her ankle that she swears by. Namir joins Gadrin, who's looking out into the jungle. Namir says it was a good day that he thinks they won, and Gadrin just tells him to listen. And I'm just gonna read this out. <laughs> Please. What could it be that they're listening to? Uh, at first, Namir heard nothing but a faint breeze and the chirping of insects. Yet gradually, he discerned a low thrumming in the distance. It was neither a drumbeat nor a hum, but something in between, unmistakably alive, with the resonance of a hundred deep voices. Once Namir understood the thrumming... Excuse me. (laughs) Once Namir understood the thrumming, he began to hear other noises too. High-pitched peals like bells or notes of birdsong. Clicks like wood tapping wood. It is the coyote, Gadrin said. Roach and Bran joined them and both stared towards the distant sound. The singing or chanting, or whatever it truly was. Namir looked between his companions and saw them transfixed, but he suddenly felt cold and he smelt his sweat and filth of the water in his hair. <sighs> they listen to and an alien orgy. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Way to make this sound so beautiful, Freed. Right. Wow. It was beautiful. Yeah. And Gadron's like, now it's a good day. <laughs> We've helped these people. Yeah! Gadrin! He says, he says <laughs> we, we successfully observed... protected their bone and down fest. 
So we have served this world, cherish the memory, and let it warm you in the face of true evil. And Amir just tells him to not amuse themselves for too long, because tomorrow's gonna suck. Yeah, but today, we, they got to today's vote. Today's a good day. So, yeah. yeah. On the fourth day, Namir finally gets the orders that he's been waiting for. They head out of the bogs and into the high jungle, which is still gross. Gadron stops from time to time to admire any living trees they find amongst the rotting forest. <clears throat> Very gross. They march until midnight so that they don't arrive dead and they take a rest, assuming Chalice didn't die, in which case they'll be dead either way. Bran promises to avenge Namira if it's a trap. <laughs> On the fifth day, they ar- finally arrive at the distillery, the main processing facility for the bioweapons and other awful thingies that the Empire creates. According to Chalice, the destruction of this facility will set the Empire back years. And so... While the majority of Twilight fights for the Creerity, Namir's squad is here to destroy the distillery, assuming, again, that it's not a trap. Brand wanders off to do her own thing, and Gadron tells Roach to give Brand room to do her work. When Brand re-emerges, she informs him she set the timer for the detonator for 30 minutes. It's on a blue barrel, which hopefully won't kill him. <laughs> hopefully. Fingers crossed! <laughs> <laughs> You're well, at least Gadron has more fingers good. to cross. True, yeah. true. Extra fingers. That's what that's what he's doing with his extra set of arms, crossing the fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Thirty minutes later, they know the micro detonator has gone off by the sirens. As the distillery crew evacuates, Namir's squad sneaks into the facility. They're not really bothering with the protective equipment they've been given because they've been given because they actually won't do much good in reality. Oh, that's a little on the nose for twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah, I was reading this and I was like, ooh, okay. <laughs> Whew. <laughs> All right, Twilight All right. Company. <laughs> Ugh. They can't see anything through the neutralizer gas, but Roach manages to take out someone who wasn't evacuated. Namir doesn't stop her from looking at the body. She bounces slightly on her knees a meter away, twisting her hands around her rifle as if she were trying to strangle it, staring at the man's face. Namir gave her a few moments, then snapped. Stay on watch. We're not done yet. Roach didn't move. Brand was watching her. Namir started to march towards her, but Bran was at her side faster, touching her shoulder to guide her away. Ugh, I love these babies. The squad is half a K out when the compound blows. Namir gives the team a moment to admire the smoke. Only Gadrin seems pleased. The others still feel like they've been caught in Chalice's trap, except there was no trap. They don't know how to mm. deal with that feeling. They've probably saved a bunch of lives from destroying the distillery. A bunch of lives because of destroying the distillery. <laughs> yet they, yeah, uh, yet they all feel like they didn't win at all. This whole chapter is just exhausting. It's, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, this is this is peak Alexander Freedom. We're talking about, like, writing real war stories. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, like, I feel tired by the time I'm done reading this because you can just feel, like, the days they're, like, carrying their heavy equipment, slogging, like, knee-deep through the mud while the aliens are having an orgy in the distance and not anything is successful and things are blowing up everywhere. It's just, it's, and even when it's they like win, it doesn't feel like they win. The best, yeah, it's it's like stressful the best way possible. It's so good. I can't imagine any other authors actually pulling this off so well. Yeah. Right? No. They're heading to their rendezvous. You can, you can like feel the bugs on your skin. Ah, the smell of that yes. bog. The flies like swarming. It's like head. you kind of forget you're reading a Star Wars book, but in like the best way possible. Yeah, exactly. They're heading up to their rendezvous with a dropship that will be picking them up in the evening. Roach falls behind, and Namir loses his temper at her, because she needs to stay with her squad, even if she's crying over a dead man. She has to keep up, even if her souls are bleeding, or she needs to crawl. She joins the line again, but falls behind. Once again. This time, Namir just calls a rest for the team, because they all need it. 
Namir looks for blisters, rashes, anything on his skin. He asks Gadrin how bad they look, and Bran points out that it doesn't take much of anything to have an effect on them. Namir has to bite down a comment about maybe she shouldn't have picked the blue barrel, but he's mad at himself for even thinking it. Gadrin seems immune, at least. He asks if anyone thinks they're about to die, and nope, so they continue on. When they reach the rendezvous, there's no dropship. There is no backup plan. If the dropship doesn't arrive, they're all dead. Even Gadrin, seemingly immune, and even Brand, who can live through anything. So they wait. The worst case scenario is they try to get to the front lines with the rest of Twilight, which would be a suicide mission. And Namir doesn't share that with the team. Over the night, everyone looks and feels like shit. Namir tries to keep them busy during the day until nightfall. Roach looks awful, and Namir doesn't know how to comfort her, or even if it's worth trying. Because what do a few hours of comfort matter if she's about to die? Brand <laughs> <with> them. Yep. <laughs> 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 God. <laughs> All right, Namir. Bran shocks him by asking Roach if she wants to know how she joined Twilight. She used to be a bounty hunter not long after the Jedi died and the Republic fell. Namir and Roach don't really know what Jedi are, but that's not the point. The point is that when the Empire took power, things were better than before during the Clone Wars. But Syndicate stepped in where the Empire wasn't fully established, so the Empire kept bounty hunters on retainer. Bran felt good about what she did, killing bad people. But as order was restored on Tanjanine, Tanjanine, the planet she was stationed on, the Empire changed to what it is now. She says, I brought a man in for stealing power converters and saw him jailed for life. I tracked down a gang leader, a spice dealer, the lowest of the low, and saw him pardoned because he bribed a magistrate. So a few le- years later, she picked a new target away from the core worlds, Captain Yvonne. It took her a while to track down Twilight Company, but soldiers are idiots on leave and she eventually figured it out. <laughs> Brand lied during open recruit to get in, smuggling in her kit and waiting for a shot at Hal. By the time she had a chance, though, she'd gone to know the soldiers and saw that maybe they had a point. She didn't change her mind until she had a gun to Hal's head. He wasn't scared, and instead they talked. He offered her a job, and she took it. Later, when everyone else... Who among us hasn't gotten a, our dream job this way? Let's be real. Who among us? Oh I feel like someone offered me a job in that situation. I'd be like, yeah, all right. Yeah, that sounds great, honestly. <laughs> what could be worse? Honestly? Are you sure? Do you want to see like some some ID first? No, no, like, you just no? okay. All right, all right, okay. Yeah, right. I pro- she proved good. herself by breaking in and almost killing him. I mean, Later, it means you're else... good at whatever you do. So, like, exactly. Right. Well, what a slick move on Howell's part, too. Yeah, honestly, like, yeah, he's like, crazy, but he's a genius. Yeah. <laughs> Later, when everyone else is asleep, Namia asks why Brand didn't tell Roach the whole truth. Brand says that she's too young. And if they all die soon, a few lies can't hurt. Who's going to kill Chalice if they're all dead? Who knows? But Chalice's information wasn't wrong. Their team just wasn't careful enough. Namir tells her that when they're dead, he's going to miss their talks. Bran takes his hand and squeezes it. I just need to... My, my nose is full of snot. Just give me a moment. Okay, I'm, I'm not emotional. I'm just full of snot. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> Those tears in my eyes are just from my uh, eye drops. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Two days later, thankfully, the dropship arrives. Namir barely remembers it. <clears throat> Gadron has to like carry them all to the ship. Oh, They're told boy. they oh, can Gadrin. be treated. That is a good use of the extra arms and hands. Oh yeah, yes. They're told they can be treated and that they're fine. They didn't get much of whatever it was in their system, and the Coyote campaign is over. Ajax is telling stories of Coyote while they play cards. They were about to lose when the Coyote turned up and swarmed the Imperials. Gadron tells Ajax that maybe the Coyote will be so thankful to their mighty savior, Ajax, that they'll invite him to their festivities next time. 
Namir keeps an eye on the game as he collates reports and counts up the dead and wounded. They only lost a few, but there are a lot of wounded. All the new meat survived, at least. Ajax asks if there's any news from Fisheye Company, the Alliance's 68th Infantry, and Aquatic Division. Who would have guessed? <gasps> fish eyes! Fish eyes, fish eyes. Turns out Coyote wasn't the only campaign, that there was a coordinated effort to allow the fleet to withdraw. Bitter Pill, Com- Bitter Pill Company is also a thing. <laughs> Something about the news rankles Namir. He says he'll ask about Fisheye when he meets with Hal. His meeting is actually with Sargon, but the- he bullies his way into Hal's office anyways. He tells Hal his team is better now, but he wants to know what they were dying for. He doesn't want to feel used. Hal asks if they can't have more than one reason for what they're doing, and Nemes says no, not if he wants the troops to win. They need one goal. According to Hal, their goal is in conquest. It's alchemy. Where the rebellion comes into contact with the empire, change must happen. I am apparently reading this bit, because honestly- It's who alchemy. Can, who what can the, decipher what, what this man hell? is saying? Like, what the That's hell? boy response. <laughs> alchemy. Like, what? Our goal what? is in conquest, but alchemy. The transmutation of the galaxy. We are a catalyst. Where rebellion comes into contact with empire, change must occur. The substance of oppression becomes a substance of freedom. And as with any such change, terrible energies are released. War, victory, and defeat. But the alchemist's concern isn't those energies. They are a byproduct not the means of transmutation itself. The alchemist's concern is the purity of the catalyst. The rest will take care of itself. Thanks, Hal. That really answered all of all of Namiya's questions. Yep. Cool. I have no... I have nothing to say about this, I guess. <laughs> like, yeah. What? Namiya doesn't really get it. He just wants Hal to give his people a mission that they can count on. No philosophy. Something solid. He Hal can't. Hal is- cannot. Hal cannot. Hal just thinks that Namir is underestimating his people, but they've had this argument a million times since Black Tarsist. Later, Namir goes looking for Roach. She's by herself in the cargo bay, arms wrapped around her knees. She's still broken up about the guy she killed. Except, Namir says that's garbage. She's got a bigger issue right now. He asks, Oh, Roach. Oh, Roach. He asks what, how long why, she's been Why clean. did she think that... What was she getting herself into? <sighs> she was just trying to get somewhere safe. I'm just, I'm glad that Namir is looking out for her, because if Namir's got her back, then there's no way anything bad could ever happen to her. Yeah, oh, right. yeah. Fine. They'll all be fine. Everything's she's fine. Going, <laughs> she's going through withdrawal, uh, because she's been clean since Hydoral. She was in the detention center for spice addiction, but she is here to fight. Namir says they've all got problems here, but Twilight protects his own. And does she understand? She says she does, but Namir doesn't think she really understands. Nemir sits with her in silence through the night. Planet oh. Crucible, once again. Day four hundred of the tri <sighs> Day four hundred of the tripartite cultural effrontery. What? <laughs> the Day four hundred of what? Effrontery. The tripartite culture effrontery. <laughs> Thanks, Reed. The alien names are easy, but the shit. What? <laughs> Fifteen years after the Clone Wars. His name is Umu7 now. This is the cult guy, right? Yeah, this is the cult guy. Guy from chapter one. The clan. It was a clan. Oh, His name is Umu7 now. Right. You're right. We're a clan. Clan isn't any better. (laughs) Based on American history, calling yourself a clan is not great. Nope. (laughs) That's a really good point. (laughs) 
<sighs> you are put taking a very metric, America-centric stance here, though. <laughs> I don't yes. think that's what they were doing. <laughs> Listen, if we're using the American definition of mucilage or whatever. I think we decided that we weren't using the American definition of mucilage. So it's bodily secretion instead? I mean, it's war. People get desperate. <laughs> anyway. Anyways, his name is Umu Seven now. Umu after the second yeah. son of the Hyro Prince. And Seven because six other Umus also serve the Opaline Creed. <laughs> that Opaline makes sense. Creed. That checks out. Oh, the six yeah. other Can we call him Emu Seven, please? <laughs> he still wears the old brands of loyalty across his shoulders. When Warlord Malkan had died, Umu Seven was lucky to find the Creed when he did. Others in the Creed had the same brand as him. He reaches the bazaar and elbows his way through the crowd. The Creed needs tech, so he's on an errand for them. On the way back, someone calls out his old name, Hazram, and grabs his shoulders. The man says he knew Hazram was alive. Wait. It's his, it's his father. Hazram. 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 That sounds familiar. Wait, yeah, do we, we know that it's familiar yet? Yes, we have heard it from the first chapter. Okay, okay, it's not a spoiler. Okay. <laughs> uh, second chapter? I don't know. Anyways, yeah, familiar name. Um, mm. it's, it's his father, who he hasn't seen in three years. He's, his father says he'll walk back to the Creed with Umu, even though Umu doesn't really want him to. His father had warned him that the warlord would die and the clan would fall apart, because it always happens in war. He says that Umu can still come back home, that he'll hide him from the Creed. Umu asks why he'd ever go back, because the Creed gives him real food, and he doesn't have to smell the waste on the streets anymore. He made oaths. He leaves his father behind, because he's no longer Hazram, nor is he Donan. He's Umu Seven. A small part of him wants to run after his father, but he shuts it down. There's no childhood joy to return to. When he rummages through his sack later, he finds a small sweet thorn pear. His father had slipped it to him, but Umu doesn't want it, so he just puts it into the communal store. He finds Umu. a pair of ten. Umu. He finds Pira 10 and tells her that he saw an alien in the market. He's lying, like Pira thinks, but he tells her all about the alien because Pira likes aliens. It's boring right now in the clan, the Creed, but maybe boring isn't so bad. There are worse things than being with the Creed. He's found his family, and he's content. It's all great. It's all good and happy. Hmm. It's, yeah, it's all it's fine. fine. So it's weird to figure out how this connects to present day Namir, except I think one obvious connection is like he, when he finds a family, he's like all in. Yeah. He fins up all in on his people, you know. This is mine now. <laughs> yeah, he really does. Yeah. Just he yeah. fins up all in. Mm. Namir, sometimes it's bad though. He's like checking out at Piggly Wiggly, and they're like, <laughs> "I'm sorry, would you what? like to sign up?" <laughs> sorry. <laughs> What's Piggly Wiggly? What the Wiggly fuck is a Piggly Wiggly? It's what? It's a grocery you know, store. It's, yeah, it's a Piggly Wiggly. What? And the cashier is like, "Would you like to sign up for a Piggly Wiggly loyalty <laughs> loyalty members reward card?" And Hazard Namir is like, "I can I can become a member of the Piggly Wiggly loyalty customers." And the yeah. cashier is like, "Yep, you just have to sign up on this card." And Hazard Namir is like. I would die for every single one of the Piggly Wiggly Loyalty Customers Reward Program individuals. <laughs> They're my family now. They're my, They're my family, family <laughs> We get half off on Campbell's Soup together. <laughs> so, pshoom, off to the Midatesu sector. I was so close <laughs> to saying that. Day 109 of the Midroom Retreat, seven years later. 
The first attack comes at midnight, three days after leaving Coyote. The Apollana's promise swiftly is swift enough to stop the Thunder Strike from getting too damaged. The second attack comes 30 hours later, and the third attack comes 19 hours after that. At this point, Twilight is convinced that the Empire is tracking them somehow, even though tracking ships through hyperspace is currently impossible. Why is the Empire even wasting so many resources wearing them down? There's only one plausible explanation, which is Chalice, obviously. So Namir orders extra security around Chalice's cell. Namir does not like droids, but M2M5 is the best engineer in Twilight, and Namir has to get over his issues and trust the droid. M2 tells Min- Namir that we have engine problems because my ship keeps being attacked, and my ship keeps being attacked because we have engine problems. Turns out the Thunderstrike has a hypermatter particle leak. Not enough to impact the ship, but enough to leave a trail, which is probably how people are finding them. It's probably damage caused in the first strike after Chalice joined, and M2 doesn't have the right equipment to fix it. Howl assembles his senior staff to make a plan. Chalice occupies the captaincy, sipping tea. Fucking Chalice. Sergon proposes just dumping Chalice because they can't survive against an ISD if they're coming after him. If they're coming after them. Chalice corrects him because Vader has a superstar destroyer now, and that's probably what's coming after them. Oh no. How did Vader get one of those? I mean, he's pretty high up now. He is. Yeah. How refuses How refuses to abandon Chalice because Coyote is the only real victory the Alliance has had lately, probably since the Death Star being blown up, and Chalice gave them that chance. She's still delineating the Empire's logistical network, which will change everything. Everyone breaks into discussion and argument, and Amir just tries to follow along. Chalice proposes that they find an Imperial cargo transport and take that over, leaving the Thunderstrike behind. Hal asks Namir if that can be done, and not really. So Namir instead suggests that they could instead... Get an engineering team in to strip the engine for parts to patch the Thunderstrike up. Hal seems to like that, and Chalice mimes a slow clap in the background, because that's exactly what she wanted him to say. When Namir leaves, Chalice follows him, because, and she complains that he never visits her anymore. It's because she's a damn curse on the company. <laughs> he, he does not want to be near her. And, and Chalice has figured out that he's from a primitive world, which kind of pisses him off. Mm-hmm. He wonders how hard he could punch her without leaving a mark. Oh boy. She gets, to, yeah, she gets to her point. If they're raiding an Imperial transport, they're going to need her aboard because she has codes. She'll share the risk and she wants Namir to keep her safe. The Thunderstrike lurks at the edge of the Red Hearn system, waiting. Which will arrive first? Twilight's prey or its pursuers? We just don't know. Namir's squad. The bad one. Yeah. Probably the bad Whichever one. Whichever one makes things worse. <laughs> For our heroes. <laughs> Who knows, maybe they'll have good luck for once. Mm. No. <laughs> Namir's squad isn't going to be part of the boarding party, except Charmer, who's been in more boarding operations than Namir has ever seen. Namir warns him not to get shot again, and Charmer just grins. Namir is stuck on the bridge until the initial insertion is done, because he's going to be Chalice's bodyguard, just like she wanted. He's fine with space travel, but the reminder of his ignorance and not understanding anything about- I miss Heath. I miss Heath. You just went through that whole bullet point about the initial insertion and no one said a word. I know. Oh, no! Oh, Oh, man. We're letting Heath down. Namir Namir is fine with space travel, but the reminder of his ignorance and not understanding anything about the bridge needles him. And the reminder of Heath's absence makes him sad. (laughs) Finally, (laughs) a freighter arrives. Right. And it's it's the prey. It's what they wanted. Holy shit. 
It was probably a warship once, but it's been stripped completely obsolete, basically, at this point. Ships, Chalice said softly, as if quoting someone else, like men, must be used until they break. Thanks, Empire. You're great. <laughs> wow, so what? it actually did work out in favor of our heroes? For now. Nothing bad is going to happen? Yeah, we're doing great. Ah! Uh... And they all lived happily ever after. Yep. Yeah, Nothing I was told bad. this was a light and fun Star Wars book. Who told, Who told you that? You that? <laughs> Who lied to you? It wasn't Who me, right? I would never say that. <laughs> <laughs> I told myself it was a light and fun Star Wars book. Oh, Ash, you Ash. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Who? Chalice manages to get the freighter to change course by threatening them, basically, and they ready the boarding party. The boarding pods strike home, and the drills begin to carve their way through the hull. Only after the initial insertion, wink wink, do Namir and Chalice get sent over. Does Chalice ever get anything done by not threatening them, basically? Mm. Kind of feels like it's her MO. I mean, she only threatens because it's strategically the right thing to do at that time. Sure. Yeah. And she knows how to threaten. Namir tells Chalice to keep her a breather on and gives her a blaster. Chalice points out that Namir isn't so different from her in how he commands his soldiers. He raises his rifle and tells her he'd do a lot of things if he could get away with it, Chalice. These chapters right. are just like Namir adorably bonding with other characters. <laughs> yeah, he's like trying to threaten but, like, her and she's like, oh, we're friends now. Yeah. <laughs> but like Namir not realizing that he's bonding with anybody. <laughs> no, he right, doesn't he doesn't realize, realize it. it's happening. Oh, he's such an idiot. He's got like big. Like you're all my family now, and Chalice is like that includes me too, you know. And Namir's just like, ah, fuck. He's got like big Wolverine energy in this. He's got big Wolverine energy. He just keeps picking up people, but at the same time, he's like, I'm a loner. I only work alone. I don't like people. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to deal with anybody. Meanwhile, he's got like seven as portrayed by Hugh Jackman. (laughs) Right. Except that Hazram is not white. Okay. Fair. Yes. Yeah. And also, accidental, energy, not yeah. that old. accidental Wolverine washing. Yeah. Also, Namir is also Slender, the male version of Slender. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Yes. Lean. Lean and trim, lean. or whatever it is that, that we say about dudes. <laughs> the boarding... Nope, I said that already. Their boarding party emerges to empty corridors. They head straight to a captured command station, and it's fucking hot, and there are three dead stormtroopers played across the floor. Chalice explains that the shield generators next to oxygen units on this ship, and they overheat under stress. Stormtrooper gear has environmental controls, but the internal cooling drains power and use in non-critical situations as a punishable offense. Cadets use it anyways, thinking they won't be caught, and then the power runs out, so they end up with dead stormtroopers. And thus the Empire cracks under heat. They make it to the command station, and Chalice gets the droids in. In. Chalice refuses to head back to the Thunderstrike now because- Where, do, where does Chalice get the droids? In. in. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought I made that clear the first time, Tanny. Yeah. <laughs> Chalice <laughs> refuses to go back because she'll be no safer aboard if they fail here. Namiya's not surprised that Chalice is comfortable with guerrilla tactics, but he is surprised that she's good at them. They She helps them keep the Stormtroopers at bay while the engineers do their work, and- they get back to the boarding pods. Chalice says that the advantage with having her on board means the rebellion won't have to count on winning victories through smug self-righteousness anymore. Namir has to admit it's good hearing someone else say the things he can't say around his soldiers, though he does resent that it's her. 
Oh, he's bonding. Oh, buddy. Against his will, he's bonding. <laughs> oh, buddy. Being dragged, kicking, and screaming into a found family. <laughs> oh, that's his entire book, yeah. A Star Wars story. A Star yeah. Wars story. Does not They've like nearly it. reached... <laughs> They've nearly reached the pod when the alert comes through. Enemy reinforcements have arrived. Hal gives the team five minutes to evacuate. Namir and Chalice will make it, but half the squads won't. Chalice wants mm. to leave now, so Namir pushes her towards the pods and heads out. With four minutes to spare, he helps Ajax's squad, and Ajax dies shouting obscenities with a grenade in one fist. With three oh, minutes to spare, he yeah, heads rip to Ajax, Ajax, I guess. Rip Ajax. Yeah. Died. He went out the way he lived. Yelling obscenities and... Shouting obscenities with a grenade in one fist. (laughs) (laughs) With three minutes to spare, he heads to Fictron's team, who are split and overwhelmed. With two minutes to spare, he finds Fictron's dead body. With one minute to spare, Chalmer stutters into the pod that his team made it to a boarding pod. Stutters into the comm unit, I think is what I was trying to say. Namir has never loved Chalmer more. With no time to spare, Namir seals Fictron's pod and launches. He's alone. There are eight dead, according to Sargon, which is not a bad number until they look at who they lost. The Thunderstrike and the Promise are going to rendezvous with three other battle groups for a month to make repairs and let people rest. By then, High Command should have new orders for them. However, while the Thunderstrike joins the flotilla, Hal, Chalice, and an escort will leave Twilight to join High Command at their secret base, invited by Princess Leia. Oh. Obviously, the Namira's- real Princess Leia, or just a new recruiter named herself Princess Leia. Actual Princess Leia, I think. Wow. I don't know yet, yeah. though. We haven't met her yet. Obviously, obviously, Namir is part of the escort. Chalice is bad luck, and he's carrying her like a charm. Ah, uh, and that's us for this week. He likes her. Yep, he likes her. Oh, Chalice, oh Namir, <laughs> this entire only oh, I love them all so much. Oh, Roach. Oh, everyone. Every time I read or hear Roach, I just think of, like, the horse from The Witcher, which is not- Oh my god! Wrong Roach! (laughs) It's just this horse on board. (laughs) A horse going through withdrawals. Yeah, it was like this horse going through, like, um, spice withdrawal. (laughs) (laughs) This poor horse! Who gave him spice in the first place? It's like a darker version of Wraith Podrin. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> um, so last week's glister question was, "What would you do if you had two extra arms slash hands?" We already know mine. It, after asking this question last week and saying that I would carry Spud and like my two lower arms throughout the week, whenever I hold Spud, I'm just like, oh, I wish I had two extra arms for this. If only had two lower arms. If only I had extra arms so I could also do things while I carry Spud around. Yeah. Um, I don't I think I didn't answer this, but if I had two extra arms, then I would do shoulder presses and um bicep curls at the same time. God damn. Twice as effective workouts. God damn. So can you only do shoulder presses on the upper arms? Yes. Yeah. Do you have four shoulders? No, I just, I'm working out my one pair of shoulders with my upper arms. Okay. Yeah. And then working out the biceps specifically on your lower arms. Does that mean that the biceps on your upper arms are not going to be as beefy as the ones on your lower arms? I mean, yeah. Unless okay, I do. that's kind of cool, right? Right. Or unless I do a different circuit where, like, up top I'm doing the bicep curls and then, like, 
lower body, I can be doing deadlifts at the same time with my wow. extra set of arms. Yeah. You're so impressive. There's many ways that I can make two sets of arms work. <laughs> Very exciting for me. I can't I remember guess. if I answered this, but it would be play two instruments at the same time. That's exactly what you said last week, too. You did answer it. <laughs> yep, that. and that was your answer. Ah. And we all considered unfriending you. Ash is uh, nothing if not consistent in her character, her character, her personality. <laughs> truly. Which truly. is a good thing, because it means that Rogue Podron doesn't have inconsistent characters right at seasons. That would be bad writing. <laughs> we, have inc- we have consistent characters. <laughs> Hey, we're all very consistent, okay? We are- No, we are! We are extremely consistent. We are nothing if not consistent. Yeah, that's that's the biggest compliment you can give Rogue Podron, honestly. Truly. Um, Dylan said I'd cosplay as Dexter- De- at that- Dexter Jester. Which- <laughs> Dexter Jester. Dexter Jester. Oh my gosh, if Dexter Jester was a jester, he could juggle- so many more balls than a so many balls. So many balls. So many. <laughs> oh my god! You know what? Um, I should have expected that answer. Uh, and yeah. yeah, I didn't. I would like someone to make fan art of Dexter Jester, please. Yeah. Uh, ben, uh, ben Warman said, "I'd love to say that I'd use a second pair of arms for something ambitious, but in all honesty, they would be reserved for petting or playing with my cat while I do other things. And yet, I'm sure that somehow still wouldn't be enough attention for her." Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's very true. Uh, Fatmatic said, I'll use the extra arms to look up more bone markets on two phones. And then a nice plant emoji. Wow. <laughs> Ross said, I had a, I, ha- I already had a weird aversion to using baskets in grocery stores before the whole plague thing. So imagine how many more things I could grab off the shelves while social distancing with forearms. You're not wrong. That's Man, true. Yeah, so you just like, use really... two arms to like be your social distancing mechanism. You just, like, hold your two arms out at all times. You're just like, ah, 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 oh, yeah. ah, 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 <laughs> ah. <Just> continuously. <laughs> have, you, have y'all seen the picture of the guy who put a bunch of pool noodles on a head? Yeah. Noodles on his head? Yeah. <laughs> what a hero. It's like that, but with arms. Uh, X, what a hero. X Wangs in history said... <laughs> I would do all the normal stuff I normally do with two hands and use my extra hands to play bitch and guitar riffs as the soundtrack to my life. I would nice. definitely do that. That's pretty sick. I respect <laughs> that. Uh, Katana Sundancer said I'd probably just hurt all four of my arms, like the second degree burn on my right arm from dropping a hot oven rack onto it, or the time I put my hand through a window and slashed it up, or I think, yeah, you get the idea. <laughs> Katana Sundancer! Yep, so you sure do. <laughs> Look, as a fellow, as a fellow incredibly accident-prone person, I sympathize with this. Yeah, I do. I, I imagine point. that, like, like, it's two extra arms to hurt somehow, and I do identify and with And, like, that. you're not getting an extra brain, so, like, you have the same amount of attention to give to things. So, oh, the, like, no. the idea that you'd be, like, like, painting a masterpiece while playing piano while, like, petting a cat is just, like... That's right, so if aspirational. You, if you couldn't already do those things, having two extra right. arms is not. The two going extra to arms help. isn't going to help. No, <laughs> no. Uh, uh, Bentham's icon said Ben W R D. Already said my first thought, which was cat related. So if I had to do something that wasn't petting a cat, I'd. Uh, oh hey, I could clip their nails without needing uh, someone else to burrito them. What the oh hell? shit, okay. that's such a good idea, though. Yeah. Yep. Oh, uh, them. That's such a good way to deal with that. I'm going to try that. Uh, 
Dinner leader said if I had two extra hands, I would constantly be snacking. Cheeses, chips, ice cream, whatever. Whether it requires one hand or two, no matter. Because I've still got two available for normal tasks. If you're not already constantly snacking with just two arms, you're not trying hard enough dinner. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Seth can you- do that. You know the pain of, like, you're playing a video game and eating Cheetos at the same time. Literally what I do is and you do- I'm playing my game with my controller and I just kind of, like, reach over with my face and go <laughs> into the bowl. You're like one of those bobbing ducks. I am, yeah. I Doink. love that. Doink. That's what chomp, I do. Chomp, chomp, chomp. Oh, boy. Uh, I lost my place. Where was I? Oh, uh, Odie said... Odie said typing with two hands, workouts with the other two, and alternate. Not a bad idea. Uh, Sarah that's, sa- like a, that's like a different version of Meg's answer, except it'd be like writing show notes with two hands while doing oh my curls God. with the other two. Ah, uh, yes! That's the dream! Or then doing shoulder presses with the top two, and then doing show, notes, writing with the show notes with the bottom two. two. Oh my God, yeah. or like updating my fig while doing like armed horizontal raises. Ah. Uh. What a good use of time. Oh my god. Uh, Sarah said with two extra hands I could play all the stuff on piano that my hands are too small for. Yes! That... Mm. (laughs) Um, Amanda said, four hands total, easy. Burrito, margarita, chips, and guacamole and cell phone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that. Uh, Tom the fanboy said I would never lose a pop You've still gotta listen to the thing. That's a throwback. So you could still lose. (laughs) What if you accidentally bop it and see a twist in it? Then, you know. Jason said, I guess what Tom if? the fanboy's problem with bop it is that he doesn't have enough hands. <laughs> Not that he problem. sometimes accidentally twists it instead of I'm pulling pre- it. I'm pretty sure bop it <laughs> but is I don't understand of all my anxiety. How, like... <laughs> uh, Jason said, Super Mega Shadow Puppet Show. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's impressive. I. I don't want to say this next one. <laughs> oh, whoops, it? I forgot. I forgot Suara. No! Jenna. We are not saying that one. Wait, I really want to look not at it. not saying though. it. Gina, <laughs> contain yourself. <laughs> uh, Suara said I would cook doll and rice at the same time. I don't know if I'm At first I thought correctly. you were saying you weren't going to read it about Suara's answer, and I was like, what's your favorite doll and rice? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I missed not that one. answer. <laughs> well, I said four cups of coffee. <laughs> nice. Um, and Emma said get more tattoos. Yeah, that's almost definitely what I would do. I'd just, yeah. Uh, Island Dandy said smoke multiple pipes at once. <laughs> you don't have multiple mouths. You yeah, just, you only have <laughs> I guess it's just like a little you back and forth, more. right? Like one I mean- and the other. <laughs> Just yeah, I get. Mm. What would you do with four mouths? Is next week's next week's question? Um, Nope, (laughs) nope, we are not doing that. (laughs) Nope. I realized the second you said Jenna's answer, right? Not a good idea. (laughs) Uh, uh, I uh, I'm a Danny. Okay, Danny. Uh, Danny Heck said holding hands with my partner and my friends. See, that's cute. cute. You should all be more like that. Uh, Abby said, "Touch more butts." Consensually, of course. Yes, of Which, course. Yeah, and can- uh, <laughs> and this last one is not from. A, it's not a listener response, but it's from James. Uh, I just got a lot of looks in the line outside the grocery store when I burst out laughing at Darth Vader didn't truly know the dark side until no stormtroopers <laughs> showed up to his birthday. Thanks, guys. <laughs> You're welcome, James. 
It's the dark side. <laughs> it's just the truth. Let's see. Oh, so many good answers. I'm giving a um, glistening I would like to give to a icon to Danny Heck because I love holding hands, and if I had more hands, I would like to have someone else's in most of them. That's yeah. very true. And I'm very giving pure. one to Bentham's icon for the uh, suggestion of a burrito. I'm going to go for that. I'm going to try that out. Yeah. I'm going okay, mine- to give mine to Odie for describing Meg's dream without even realizing it. <laughs> it's so efficient! <laughs> I'm going to give mine to Sarah because I would totally also do that. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. It's Thank really you, annoying. And you have tiny little hands and you can't reach the note. So Ash died. And so this week's listener question is how did, how did you Ash die? join Twilight Company? <laughs> we don't know. It's a mystery for another time. <laughs> um, I'm going to ask this next week because I'm going to think about yeah, it. Yeah. I have to come up with a proper origin story. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right, listeners, you can hit us up with your answer to this question on Twitter at RoguePodron. Our email is RoguePodron.com. Nope, that's our website. Our email is RoguePodron at gmail.com. Our website is RoguePodron.com. Support Danny's ongoing Ithorian anthropology research by becoming a patron. 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 Patron at Patreon.com. <laughs> again i know danny's not gonna edit it but i'm gonna do it again <laughs> support danny's ongoing ithorian anthropology research by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash rogue okay subscribe via the rogue Podron feed on itunes stitcher podbean spotify google whatever of your favorite podcatchers just subscribe write and review us on itunes because then we get we get stuff i don't know what we get we get more people listening to us i guess we Make get higher self-esteem. Which yeah. is definitely a thing that we care about, clearly. And you get the joy <laughs> of contributing to our legacy. Which is also definitely a thing we care about, clearly. <laughs> Given that this is a thing that we put out into public for anyone to listen to on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. And we just hope very dearly that none of our coworkers ever listen to it. Boy, if I ever die, my my final will and testament will be that you have to get everyone who ever loved me into a church and then play every single episode of Rogue Podron from beginning until end and no one can leave until they've listened to the entire thing. You know, I'm going to put that in mind too. That's just how it's going to yeah, be. Same. Same. Oh. Same. Yep. It's like, and I'll know if you left or I will haunt you if you left early. If you got, if you got somewhere around like wedge birthing a squadron and you were like no i can't anymore i'm, I'm gonna know but i'm gonna haunt you forever not... all right we have no reviews this week which makes seth sad sad seth yeah yeah <sighs> well join us next time for star wars battlefront toilet company chapters 9 through 13 and with that this is rogue padron signing off Hash out. Pew 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 pew
Because we don't have enough stars to survive. No stars. It's true. Don't Where have are those the iTunes energy. reviews. God damn. Where are the iTunes reviews? I even saw someone on Discord saying that they were gonna make an account to review us and they never did. I don't remember who it was, oh. so I can't name names, but somebody did say that. Oh, called out in the bloopers. <sighs> called out in the blooper. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Yeah. Who are you hurting but yourself? <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Literally, only yourself. <laughs> All right, let me just scroll up real quick. All right, there we go. Gun meet foot. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, what? Isn't the foot mean to go in the mouth? But I realized that you have a different idiom there, so. It's fine. It goes in your mouth after you shoot it so you can suck Katad out the meet hoist. <laughs> the you know, what venom? <laughs> oh, sorry. Did I not mention that I was using a venomous gun? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. The revolutionary okay. That makes poison sense. gun. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> and by gun, you really mean a snake. <laughs> well, yeah. You have, like, a big, like, gun. like Joker pop gun, you pull the trigger, and just a snake comes out of it. <laughs> I'm totally lost yeah, by one of those, real but I'm enjoying it. Yeah. A fake stick, a real stick comes out, bites your foot, and then you have to put your foot in your mouth. Oh, I see. I get it now. Yep. See, Shot it all, yourself it all in connects. the foot with a venomous snake gun. It all connects. <laughs> that yeah. classic expression, I shot myself in the that, foot with a venomous snake gun. That classic cowboy expression. <laughs> oh, it's a cowboy expression? I mean, it makes sense. That's where time. there's a snake in my boot came from. Real story. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Someone yeah. shot a snake into their boat. <laughs> Damn idiot. <laughs> There's already enough snakes getting into people's boots. You don't need to put them there yourself. There is a snake in my front yard the other day. 